the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants, Incorporated. This is where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Incorporated, which is a member of Pinter and Pacific. Cornerstone Consultants is not an, an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well... Last weekend, I wondered what happened to September and October, but here we are in November. I can feel the chill in the air and the dampness when the sun isn't shining, but we have had light frost this week. I don't think a killing frost, but I'm looking out my window right now, and I'm seeing a red plant in my garden, and a red plant, I don't know even know what it is, it came from nowhere. But it's grown three feet tall, and it's existed through the winds and the rains all fall long, but it looks shabby now. So we might have had that killing frost. But, hey, <laughs> and, and the weather forecast this week so shows uh, sunshine and good weather for most of next week. So can this be Indian summer? That spell of nice weather after the first hard frost? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. But we have to make the most of it because Mother Nature may be giving us a few more weeks of time to enjoy the outside before the cold and the damp comes back again. One more week to get the outside doors done. One more week to find the warm coats and gloves. Yesterday, I did find my gloves. 
and a hat and my winter coat. And uh, maybe today I'll spend some time raking up the leaves for a couple hours to just get some exercise. The wind brought down a lot of leaves, so I have to get rid of them before the rain or maybe even the, the snow makes the job impossible. But my pin oaks are the, their usual stubborn selves. The pin oaks give up some of their leaves in the autumn, but they hold on to a lot of their leaves. That's just so they can sprinkle them down on the lawn in the late fall and winter. No matter how often I rake up the leaves around the pin oaks, they just keep me busy sprinkling more leaves until the spring. And let's not forget that this Thursday is Veterans Day, a day to remember our soldiers and sailors, Marines and airmen who served in the armed forces to protect our country. They served and they fought to protect us and our country, and some never returned. Thursday, there'll be ceremonies in the towns and villages around Northeast Ohio. So let's find the time to attend and remember the veterans. Remember, America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And remember that freedom is not free. I remember a talk from uh, uh, President uh, uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan. In 1984, he spoke at the Arlington National Cemetery uh, during ceremonies honoring the unknown soldier from the Vietnam War. And President Reagan said, quote, the unknown soldier who has returned to us today and whom we later rest is symbolic of all our missing sons. About him, we may well wonder, as others have, as a child, did he play in some street in a great American city, or did he work beside his father on a farm out in America's heartland? Did he marry? Did he have children? Did he look expectantly to return to a bride at home? We'll never know the answers to these questions about his life. We do know, though, why he died. He saw the horrors of war, but bravely faced them. Certainly his own cause and his country's cause was a noble one. And he was fighting for human dignity for free men everywhere. So... Let's take the time to honor our veterans and those serving in the armed forces today and say a prayer for them. And getting back to our weekend, this weekend we can get some uh, work done outside, but when we get too cold, maybe we'll uh, tend to the indoor tasks and uh, uh, take a look at our investments and our savings and things of this nature. And remember, uh, tonight is the end of daylight savings time, so you should turn back your clock uh, uh, tonight, or you'll be late for church, or you'll be either late or early. Uh, so uh, remember that uh, the end of daylight savings time is tonight. So this week, uh, global equities were mixed. In the United States, the three major uh, stock indices ended up for the week. In the UK and the European Union, the FTSE 100, the DAC, and the uh, stocks, European 600, were all up for the week. But in Asia, uh, Asia was mixed, China was down, and Japan was up for the week. On Friday, the major U.S. stock indices 
closed at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, closed at 36,327.95. That was up 1.4% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,697.53. That was up 2% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 15,971.59. And it was up 3.1% for the week. Basically, the stock market is up because the companies have been raking in solid earnings. Even with the global supply chain problems and the continuing but lessening uh, uh, COVID Delta variant, according to the Wall Street Journal, a significant majority of the Standard & Poor 500 companies have already reported third quarter earnings, and about uh, 82% of them have exceeded analyst earnings forecasts. I reported last week that the Standard & Poor 500 uh, companies expected to grow their profits by approximately 39% from the third quarter of 2020. The uh, basic the secret has been uh, pricing power. Uh, financial results from the big major companies show that strong demand and pricing power have enabled them to isolate themselves from global supply chain disruptions, uh, steepening inflation results. And I mean... Uh, Inflation results that are uh, showing the cause of showing the effects of the COVID as well as the uh, supply chain with the consumer price index up 5.4%, uh, the uh, producer's price index up 8.6%, and the import prices up 9.4%. Uh, the other thing is the tight labor market and the uh, additional labor costs. These companies can pass the higher prices along to the customers without pushback or cancellations. For example, uh, new SUVs and truck prices spiked up 19% in 10 months to an average of $44,000, you know, and uh, when monthly sales go down 20% and profits go up uh, this week, stocks went up even Again, as the Federal Reserve laid out its plan to, to very slowly reduce its monetary stimulus by slowly tapering its uh, bond buying operation, uh, they'll talk about we'll talk about this in detail later in the show and what the impact will be. And the latest employment report that was good news from the Department of uh, Labor that showed the U.S. economy adding. 531,000 jobs in uh, October. And the even better news was that uh, uh, the private sector added over 604,000 jobs in October. And the uh, unemployment uh, rate eased down to 4.6%. And all these things gave the stocks the boost. And we'll talk about the employment picture later in the day. And, you know, just to give you an idea of what the pricing power amounts to, uh, this week, Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, jumped 11% on Friday when Pfizer announced that uh, they planned to seek FDA authorization for uh, treatment that uh, patients with mild to moderate COVID 
to take it home, a pill, uh, to keep them out of the hospital. That's the latest encouraging uh, performance for a uh, early virus treatment. Pfizer said that a preliminary look at the study uh, results found that its experimental pill was highly effective in preventing people at high risk of severe uh, COVID-19 from needing hospitalization or dying. And uh, uh, that's been the latest encouragement, uh, encouraging performance for an early virus treatment. The company, uh, company's drug cut the risk of hospitalization or death in study subjects with mild to moderate COVID by about 89% if they took the pill within three days of diagnosis. That's according to Pfizer. The drug called uh, Paxlovid, Paxlovid and it was also found to be generally safe and well-tolerated in an early look at the ongoing study results. So they, they plan to ask the Federal Drug Administration, the Food and Drug Administration, to authorize the drugs for use this year. And they, they, uh, they began to share data with the FDA and couldn't start to deliver doses this year if approved. Now, this together with the new uh, COVID home testing kit, there's several out there in the market. I don't know how effective they are. And I don't know uh, how, how uh, this um, this new pill sounds wonderful, but I don't know how effective it is yet. But it's just an example of what we're doing and what can be done to uh, conquer this COVID, even this Delta variant. You know, according to Pfizer, their vaccine sales uh, worth about uh, $35 billion in this new pill. Uh, maybe worth approximately $5 billion in sales. The important part is that it's, it's again, <clears throat> a method by which we can conquer the COVID. Because we've got basically two significant headwinds in this economic recovery. One's the supply chain foul-ups, and those will be worked through. Right now, you know, it's a matter of price gouging all the way up and down the supply chains and uh, uh, a total loss of efficiency in, in conducting operations. But uh, they'll work their way through it. Sooner or later, they'll get their inventories built up. And sooner or later, they'll find multiple suppliers that uh, protect them from price increases. The other big one is this COVID delta. And if we can get a handle on this COVID Delta, it's been coming down since uh, September. And uh, hopefully between the testing, the testing that's done, the home testing, and these pills, hopefully we can get a handle on this thing. Because according to the, uh, uh, according to who? According to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, cases per day, new cases per day of the COVID amount to about 70,000, and that's gone down about 1.5% over the last week. Uh, That sounds kind of low. Hospitalizations per day are at about 5,100 per day, but that's gone down close to 7% over the last week, and the number of deaths has uh, gone down to 1,100. These are national numbers. 
1,100 a day, and that's down uh, close to 9% over the last week. So, um, you know, with this new vaccines and the new pills, and and, uh, they've also, uh, uh, the the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for the 5 to uh, 5 through 11-year-olds, and uh, that includes about 28 million kids. Hopefully, we're getting a handle on this thing. Everybody, <clears throat> everybody will be immunized sooner or later here, either because they caught it and they survived, or because they've been vaccinated. So far, 193 million people in the United States have been fully vaccinated, and that represents 58 percent of the U.S. population, and that's still growing. And Another important thing that happened this week was that Washington is still working. Uh, it's good to know. The the $1 trillion infrastructure bill uh, was approved by the House of Representatives yesterday. And uh, the House of Representatives passed the bill, and President uh, Biden is expected to sign the bipartisan infrastructure package that had that bipartisan bill has been passed by the Senate, I think sometime in July, and it's been sitting there waiting for the House to uh, work on it. And uh, the House passed it by a vote of 228 to 206, with uh, some Republicans joining the Democrats to support the legislation. And uh, in August, a bipartisan group of 69 senators uh, uh, 19 Republicans and 50 Democrats passed the roughly $1 trillion infrastructure uh, package. So uh, that package looks to, the package contains $110 billion in funding for roads and bridges and major projects, $39 billion to modernize and make uh, public transit more accessible for the disabled and elderly. Significant chunks of money will go to the major city transit systems. $66 billion will be invested in rail maintenance and modernization. Uh, $11 billion will go for highway and pedestrian safety programs. Uh, $7.5 billion will be for those uh, electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, $50 billion will go for the country's infrastructure uh, protecting against uh, cyber attacks and climate change. Another $55 billion will go towards clean drinking water, $65 billion towards broadband infrastructure, and the uh, uh, $73 billion to update and expand the uh, power, grid, fire power grid. The Congress and the budget, the Congressional Budget Office, found that the infrastructure bill would widen the federal budget deficit by approximately $256 billion over the 10-year period. So they are still in business in Washington, and they're making progress. Uh, This is Jim McAleese. Um, Who am I speaking with? Oh, hi. Oh, hi. uh Hi. You know, you were speaking about the uh, pharmaceutical companies, and I think it's interesting. It's been under the radar for the most part because I sort of watch what's going on with 
stocks and what's popular. And Moderna, in February of uh, 2020, was selling for $21 a share. And at its highest point, which uh, isn't even, it reached the highest point during one trading day, I believe in August, it was almost $500 a share. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but and I think, uh, is, yeah, it's run into real problems uh, in terms of their uh, manufacturing and, and distribution channels. But go ahead, Jen. I'm sorry. Oh, well, well. anyhow, I, I just thought that was interesting. And Merck, uh, who makes ivermectin, which was mm-hmm. uh, not, it, people were not able to buy it. It wasn't, if it was prescribed, the prescriptions weren't being filled. And that was a Merck product that seemingly worked for some people who were get, got sick and took it early on. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. had to come out with, with a, a new ivermectin. Well, they don't call it ivermectin. And uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> that one yeah. is going to sell for $70 a pill. And if you take, uh, I guess, the dosage is 10 days, mm-hmm. so that would be $700. Mm-hmm. I kind mm-hmm. of have a problem with these uh, companies who would not, they, they kind of made you, uh, you know, go to jail. If you, if you want to take uh, hydrochloroquine or fill a prescription, you can go to jail. And now they are coming out and letting people choose to at least ca- catch this early on because some, the symptoms... The symptoms are very uh, variable, and uh, I, I'm just a little disgusted with the uh, pharmaceutical companies. I'm sorry they they just well, took the, it, they took advantage. The pharma- yeah, the pharmaceutical companies have tremendous profit margins. If you look at the profit margins, they're somewhere in the fifty percent range. That means that uh, they're making good money. Uh, the the idea here is though that you're facing a pandemic. Hopefully, we're getting it under control. Uh, you know, even these uh, kits that I talked about. You know, in terms of you can get you can get a testing kit, uh, but these things cost uh, I don't know. They cost something like uh, anywhere from ten to to uh, thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. One kit to, to check yourself. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made. In and and then, excuse me, but and that's uh, a lot pe- of price gouging. And so, and then uh, the people. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the people who have to get checked every week. Uh, I don't know what that costs. Sometimes the their companies pick up the pick up the tab. But if they're going to start. Uh, if, if this rule goes through and there aren't enough lawsuits to, uh, to prevent it from going through this, uh, you know, get vaccinated or fired, uh, the, uh, if the companies don't pick up the tab, I heard it it might cost uh, every employee $80 a week. Now, this mm-hmm. is too much. This is way too much uh, go- uh, government hand-in-hand with the pharmaceutical companies taking over, well, and that's... That's disturbing. Even, even this, uh, this um, what do you call it, mandatory uh, uh, vaccinations, uh, we'll have to see that, you know, the, the, the law is supposedly takes effect after the first of the year, first of the year, I think. But there's been a lot of pushback uh, from people on that. And you see that 
uh, you know, the, the Southwest Airlines and United Airlines, things of this nature, had humongous uh, uh, problems in in uh, flight crews and, and uh, availability of aircraft and things of this nature. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, companies and a lot of work processes that can be really fouled up if you have inexperienced people or the people uh, you could you get rid of a person and then you try to uh, bring another person up to speed rapidly. There's going to be a lot of foul ups, and I think I think uh, uh, the, the Congress should readdress uh, what they're asking for in that particular thing. So I agree with right. you. And to some extent, but to me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at it not from the cost viewpoint so much as from getting this COVID thing put away. Hopefully, uh, there'll be pressure on these companies to get well, the prices down. So, the other thank thing. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much, Jim. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 You know, we, we talk about uh, the big picture and what's going on in, in uh, Washington and what's going on in the stock market, and we'll talk about uh, what the Federal Reserve is going to do, and we'll talk about the... Uh, uh, the employment, and we'll talk about vaccine numbers and all the rest of these things as, as the show goes on. But the, the thing you have to remember is that uh, the reason we're doing this is because all of these things affect our investments. We, we talk about the microeconomy, but the uh, macroeconomy, but the real emphasis in all our lives is the microeconomy, and that's that's safe. Uh, we're making money, and 
uh, we've got a job and we've got a family to support and uh, uh, we want things in life. We want things for the family, for the children. We want a secure retirement. So we have a whole bunch of goals that uh, uh, we have on our, on our list that have to be done. I mean, this isn't just a wish list. These are, these are real solid goals that have to be met. Uh, so how do you do that? And the way you do that is uh, uh, you save your money. And uh, how you save the money, there's different ways of doing it. Some people have the uh, automatic savings, which is probably the, the, the best approach. And you can do that either 401k or 403b or your, or your bank account and put away so much money uh, on a regular basis before you can touch it. That assures you that it's getting in there, and then, and then how do you how do you distribute it to the different goals that you have? And then that's that's part of that's investing, and part of that's diversification, and and uh, uh, planning in terms of uh, uh, what you want to spend your money on. In other words, if you have a plan and it shows you that you've identified your goals in terms of uh, let's say if you're younger, it's a house uh, and a family, and uh, and you're older, it's education for your youngsters and yourself. Uh, and uh, and as you get older, of course, retirement. That's a retirement. Uh, so those are your concrete goals that have to be met. And as you go through life, you see things that you want to see. Oh, I'd like to have a a house down in Florida or a condo down in Florida or like that, this or a boat or something like that. Uh, and you measure. You can measure if you have a plan. You can measure these against, okay, uh, nice idea. What do you want to give up? Uh, do you want to give up the, uh, the children's braces or do you want to give up uh, your retirement or what do you want to do here? So having a plan gives you that roadmap. Uh, that allows you to make decisions along the path. And uh, uh, sometimes a decision might be, hey, uh, uh, we're not, uh, this engine isn't working as hard and as fast as we want it to, so we have to modify our plan, our savings plan, our investment plan. Uh, we have to keep track. We have to keep track of the, uh, of the taxes and all the rest of this stuff. You saw it in this... Uh, this last three or four months have been nothing but, um, you know, Washington's been talking about their big build back better, $3.5 trillion or $1.7 trillion or whatever it is now. They've been talking about taxes on this and taxes on that. And, and uh, we're practically going nuts around here, talking to the lawyers and moving money around. So to me, uh, this, is, this is part of, Hey, it's part of the life. Uh, if you if you if you know what you want and you're willing to go get it, then uh, you need that plan. Let's go to the phone. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. How can I help you today? Hi, Jim. Good Hello. morning. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. I was wondering if if you can. It's good. I was wondering if you can actually walk us through in more detail. Um, because the word supply chain is a soundbite 
that many people mm-hmm. hear, but they don't really understand what it means for inflation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even more importantly, I feel like people don't understand uh, once the, all the efficiencies do get resolved, how that can actually help uh, reduce inflation. So I was wondering mm-hmm. if you can kind of walk us through that. Oh, sure. Thank, thank you for your question. It's a very, uh, uh, very informed question, I'll tell you that. Uh, I look at it from, let me look at it from the, the grossest picture. And that is we all, you all remember that uh, cartoon that we saw the staple of the guts on the wall there. You want this when? And there's a picture of a bunch of munchkins rolling around on the floor, laughing their heads off because you wanted this at a certain period of time. Well, basically what you're seeing is that the, in the case of the economy today, the stimulus, the $6 trillion from the federal government, and the uh, monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve has caused caused a great demand, which has totally overwhelmed the supply. Uh, so when you, as a, as a business owner, go and talk to uh, your supplier, uh, he, you're now starting into this supply chain. And the first thing your uh, supplier is going to tell you is that I can't give you the full order. I can only give you part of it. And there is going to be a price increase. Uh, what's that price increase going to be? Well, it could be, depends upon how much the supplier's supplier up, to, up and down the food chain is increasing their prices. So if his supplier has uh, uh, increased the prices by 10%, he's going to pass it on to you. And you have to make a decision as a business owner, well, uh, boy, I, I'm, I don't want to pay this 10% extra, but what am I going to do? Uh, if I say no, I know that uh, the guy right behind me, he'll say yes. I won't have any inventory to sell, so I've got no profit at all. So I'll eat, I'll take the 10%, I'll take the order, be it what it is, and I'll try to pass it on to the next and to the next person in the supply chain, be it the consumer or somewhere in the producer uh, supply chain or whatever. So I'm actually uh, making decisions in the supply chain as to uh, how much am I going to pass on uh, and uh, how much am I going to have to uh, eat and uh, uh, cut my profit margins. And this thing goes all the way through uh, it starts in where the goods are manufactured, be it in the United States or be it, let's say it's being manufactured in China. Uh, China's process of controlling COVID is to shut down uh, the whole city. You know, if I got the whole port, if I've got a port with uh, uh, 10 ships uh, at the dock uh, loading and unloading, then uh, if I get uh, five or ten people with COVID working on the ports, the port is shut down. And uh, if the ship comes in, when uh, uh, I check the crew, and the crew has uh, one person with COVID, why well, the whole ship is uh, quarantined. And 
Um, so there's a, a lot of inefficiencies and a lot of uh, delays. And uh, like your uh, cost for your uh, 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 transit from from Shanghai or from wherever in China to uh, Long Beach or St. Pedro in uh, in and uh, Los Angeles. Well, the prices have gone up for anywhere from 200 percent to 400 percent, depending upon what you're shipping. You're shipping refrigerated goods and things of this nature is sky high. You can't find containers. The when it gets into port, uh, there's all sorts of regulations in Long Beach that uh, uh, you can only work so many hours and only certain truckers can be in there. Uh, the truckers can't find enough workers. The truckers can't find enough boxes, trailers uh, to meet the demand. They can't even find enough warehouses in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, so all these things uh, add up to inefficiencies. And, you know, if you take a look at your usual method of doing business, uh, what happens is that you perfect this method of doing business. Uh, so many workers, so many machines, so much this, and you're, you've got an efficient operation. Now, uh, you don't have the suppliers, you don't have the workers, you're kludging things together. It's totally inefficient. In fact, the uh, who is it? The, uh, the CEO of Vansk, you know, it's a big German shipping company. You'll see their, uh, see that name on the side of these big container ships. Uh, this situation would be, hey, we're, we're losing all sorts of efficiency. Everything is getting clogged up. The only thing we, the only thing that can solve this thing is that uh, we have less imports, that the United States has to reduce the number of imports from overseas because uh, uh, everything is bollocked up. Uh, it, it even goes down right, right down to home building. Uh, uh, you buy a home today, and uh, I, I have clear that just uh, mentioned that uh, their son-in-law bought a home and... and uh, uh, he's ready to move in, and, and the home is almost finished. And the, the builder increased the prices, increased the price by twenty thousand dollars. What was that for? Well, he's in the contract that he could increase it if he had increases in prices, and and he's also got increases. Deep, he's also got delays in uh, 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 delays in getting the. the pieces together. A truck comes in with uh, uh, half a load and uh, every half the order has been uh, uh, back-ordered. So you're, if you're a builder, you're almost in the warehousing business, so you can gather uh, parts together before you can start the job. So all of these things uh, tend to delay things tend to cause inefficiencies, and human nature being what it is, uh, uh, the, the leverage has gone from, the, from you as the business owner uh, ordering this stuff to the supplier. In other words, the leverage in this, in this uh, negotiation is on the supplier side. And 
if he if he's, his prices have increased by 10%, then he's going to pass it on to you with maybe another uh, 10% increase in his profits. And even some people who don't have uh, a price increase watch everybody else uh, increasing their prices, and they increase their prices because everybody's doing it. And the funny part about it is the American consumer they complain about it. They certainly complain about food and gasoline, but like cars, you know, cars. The, the, the new car is, is up to uh, forty-four. The average car costs new car costs forty-four thousand dollars, and the waiting lists go on for months. So people are kind of desensitized to paying these amounts too. So it's it's I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rattling on here. <laughs> You get the picture. Yes, that is very comprehensive. I really appreciate you explaining all of this because so many times, like people just go maybe to the store, maybe they are waiting for a new car, and they see increase in prices, but they don't really understand everything that's involved from the start point to the end point. But mm-hmm. it sounds like, though, the good news is that mm-hmm. as uh, the ports open, or even um, maybe now that we have international travel open. It, maybe mm-hmm. the cargo hold in those international flights can start to hold more of these goods so the ports can get unclogged. So hopefully mm-hmm. there is like a, an end point, you know, like, an, like a, we won't be in uh, think, uh, increased inflation forever. Oh, no, no. I, I, I look at inflation as, you know, after the housing bubble in 2008, after the, the crash in 2008, uh, the inflation has been average of around 1.7%. And uh, now it's up to approximately uh, 5.4% if you include food and fuel. And both of those have gone up tremendously. But if you take away uh, food and fuel, it's really about 4%. Uh, so it's gone from 1.7 to, to, let's say, 4%. And as time goes on, as uh, Inventories are built up as multiple suppliers appear. Uh, then what you're going to see is that um, uh, the products are going to move faster. There's going to be more uh, suppliers, more product, and uh, this whole inflation thing should rapidly go down. Oh, let's say to the middle of uh, uh, middle of next year, it should be uh, well under control. But it probably won't go down to uh, 1.8% again. The, uh, the expectations are that it will go down to somewhere between 25 and 3%. So, hey, we lived with 3%. For, that's an average, a long-term average of inflation. We lived with that uh, for a long time. And stocks have performed at, at 3% inflation without any problem, too. So, okay. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Very intelligent question. Thank you very much. You have a good day now. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. Uh, let's talk about uh, the employment situation. You know, the Department of Labor just presented their report, and the report is, is looks at uh, what was happening in employment in October. And basically it showed that uh, uh, the payroll growth leaped up to um, – uh, 531,000 uh, new jobs in October, which was a tremendous relief because the previous number for September was 194,000, which was a real bummer. So we got it up to uh, 531,000. And if you take a look at the, the numbers, what you see is the effect of the COVID. In other words, if I go back and look at May's numbers, May added 583,000 jobs. June, you know, where we were feeling free of the uh, of the original COVID, that added 962,000 jobs. July added 1,091,000 jobs. And then in August, when the Delta was hitting us, they... Uh, COVID uh, Delta uh, went down to uh, 483,000 jobs. That's in August. September was 312,000 jobs. And then in October, uh, it's uh, as the COVID relents, uh, we're up to 531,000. And hopefully, uh, we'll continue to go on from here. And what we're seeing is the unemployment rate that fell uh, from 4.8% to 4.6%, and uh, that's indicative of uh, uh, where we're going. Also, uh, uh, the uh, uh, what we're seeing is that the, the people, uh, the uh, employers, are trying to hire as much people as many uh, workers as they could possibly hire, and that's really expected to. Uh, picked up because of the uh, Christmas season is coming. So uh, we have to take a look and we say, well, where are we relative to where we were in, uh, let's say, February, when this whole thing started, February of 2020, when the COVID first hit. Well, at that time, the unemployment number was... uh, Three and a half percent, and we had 5.7 million people unemployed. Well, today we got uh, the uh, unemployment number is 4.6. It's going in the right direction. It's going more and more. It's getting lower and lower. Uh, And we have 7.4 million people. And basically, wages are going up. If we take a look and say, okay, uh, the payroll. Non-farm payroll rose uh, 11 cents in October to an average wage of $30.96 an hour. Uh, That's good news. And if we look back over the last uh, 12 months, what we're seeing is wages have gone up 4.9% over the last 12 months ending in in October. So uh, this week, uh, the uh, the report shows that not only do the total was five hundred thirty one thousand, but when you break it into um, 
parts, the different parts, the uh, private sector added 604,000 jobs, and the uh, government sector lost 73,000 jobs. And it's hard to figure out where the losses were in the government sector, because most of the losses seem to be in education, which is totally confusing. And in other words, there's been a lot of nonsense going on in, in education in terms of uh, uh, we're doing it remotely uh, one year, and then we're doing it in, how, in face-to-face the next year, and, and what's happened to the bus drivers and the janitorial services and all the rest of this, this stuff. So, But you're really seeing in the private sector, manufacturing uh, jobs went up uh, 60,000 in uh, October. Uh, And, uh, you know, who led it? Motor vehicles and parts that went up uh, 28,000. Professional and business services, they added 100,000 jobs in October. And, uh, of course, some of them, 41,000, were temporary services. But that's still good news because companies would rather work the temporary uh, services to really identify the, the uh, workers that they really want. And uh, if you take a look at transportation and warehousing, uh, transportation and warehousing increased 54,000 jobs in October, and that is now 149,000 jobs, more than there were in February before the COVID. So, uh, construction added 44,000 jobs in October, and they increased 30,000 jobs last uh, September, the, the month before. So basically what we're seeing is uh, uh, people are getting employed. They're leisure and hospitality. Uh, that added 164,000 jobs in October, and uh, they've added 2.4 million jobs so far in 2021. So they got a ways to go, but it still shows you that, hey, uh, the the number of people that are coming on board now is fairly large numbers. Healthcare added 37,000 jobs. Retail added 35,000 jobs. Uh, Financial services added 21,000. Half of them were in real estate and and, uh, uh, rental things of this nature, and the other half were in uh, investments and securities. Wholesale trade had fourteen thousand jobs. So, uh, and again, I mentioned that the government lost seventy-three thousand jobs, but I don't understand enough about. They all seem to be in the education department. I don't seem to understand uh, what the real situation there is. I read a report and I can't uh, can't figure it out. Uh, let's talk about the what I mentioned before about the Federal Reserve. Uh, the Federal Reserve is starting their uh, uh, they met at their scheduled Federal Open Market Committee meeting this week. It happened Tuesday and Wednesday, and then uh, at the previous meeting in September, uh, the Federal Reserve outlined the plan to reduce the monetary stimulus. Uh, that they had initiated in February of 2020. So in February 2020, uh, the Federal Reserve did two things. 
One, they reduced the Federal Reserve rates down to zero, actually zero to one, one quarter of one percent. If you want to know what that looks like, one quarter of one percent is 0.0025. And they also initiated a bond buying operation of $120 billion a month, $80 billion in treasury bonds and $40 billion in agency mortgage-backed security. That means Fannie and Freddie and Ginny. And uh, that is, was an addition that's monetary stimulus to the economy. Basically, you said, hey, we're going to reduce all the interest rates in making borrowing as cheap as possible. And that provided a big boost to the economy. And that was in addition to the big Fed, uh, fiscal stimulus from the federal government, where they threw $6 trillion into the economy. That was your checks and in your uh, loans, loans to businesses and stuff like that, that uh, the loan would be extinguished as long as the uh, uh, business used the money to pay their employees. Uh, so uh, they're going to start to uh, wind down this $120 billion a month in asset purchases, and they're going to start it at... Uh, $15 billion. They're going to reduce the 120 by $15 billion a month so that by, let's say, June of next year, it'll be down to zero. At that point, the Federal Reserve is going to just sit quietly and see how things are going on before the, what they had, what they call a liftoff. And by liftoff, they mean that's when they, uh, you know, during all this tapering operation, you're going to see interest long-term interest rates increase because there's going to be less buying power. But when liftoff is when they begin to move up the federal funds rate, that's the overnight rate. And uh, they intend to move that thing up uh, very slowly, uh, uh, a little bit in 2022, and then maybe a 1% in 2023 and 1% in 2024. So you're going to see interest rates begin to increase, and that's going to make uh, that's going to make borrowing, uh, you know, more expensive. And uh, you know, the the three percent thirty year mortgage rate uh, is going to start to move probably uh, uh, next year. Uh, we'll have seen the last of the 3%. Maybe it might be three and a quarter or something like that. So uh, I think that might slow, might slow down home building, but, it, you know, we're not building as many homes as we did in 2004 and 2005 before the home crisis. So I don't think it's going to really make a big impact on uh, home construction at all. So... Uh, and then we see the factory orders, the factory manufactured goods. Uh, the orders are still pouring in there. We see from the Institute of Supply Management that uh, uh, the factories are working overtime and, and fighting through this this uh, supply chain thing. So this is things look good. This is Jim McElhinney. Uh Stay tuned. I'll be right back. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. 
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This coming Thursday is Veterans Day, and this week we need to take some time to reflect on the sacrifices that our soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen who have served or are now serving our country have made for us. So be sure to say a prayer for them and their families on Veterans Day. But we don't have to restrict our prayers and thanks to only one day. Our hearts and prayers should go out to them every day. Our thoughts are drawn to the sacrifices of our young men and women overseas, but we also remember the days when we wore the uniform. We also remember and hold dear the memories of our fathers and uncles who also served. Last year, one of our listeners sent me an article they clipped out that spoke to the veterans. The title was, In Honor of the Veterans, quote, For those who have served in the armed forces of the United States of America, we are eternally grateful. For the lost sons and daughters of war, we can only swear on our sacred honor that we will never forget their courageous sacrifice and pray that theirs will be the last. The war is not intrinsically a noble or honorable endeavor. It is those who rise to the challenge and engage in it for the greater good that makes it so. They are all of us and we are them. And when one of them dies or is missing, I resolve his pendant by the loss equal to the degree that the lost soldier is honored and remembered by those who remain alive and well. So it's our patriotic duty to honor those people and never allow them to be forgotten. So this weekend, this week, take time to reflect on the sacrifices that others have made for us. So enjoy yourself until we meet again. Next week, for more of Get This Glow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, Call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.